It's football season. Time for the Gridiron Breakdown. Your hosts, RJ. Well, when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid doing chemistry experiment? Alan. You play football like Engineero played football. Let's get to the breakdown. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown, the college football show where we get into the X's and O's of the top college football games each week. And Alan, my man, it is rivalry week, week 14 in the college football season. Can you believe it? No, I mean, it's kind of sad when you think about it that we wait so long for the season to get here and now the season's gone. But rivalry week's always fun. And in the SEC, it's a, it's um, much welcomed after the crappy FCS weekend. Absolutely. I mean, half of the week is the SEC-ACC challenge because half of them have got ACC rivals. But yeah, man, a lot of good games around the nation to get into. And we're going to get into some big ones here for this week. We've got a you know couple of big featured games and then a humongous lightning round this week, as, as we could only expect on Rivalry Week. But we do need to take a look back at what happened in Week 13. I mean, there wasn't a lot, but Ohio State took care of business against Penn State. And I'll be honest with you, Alan, I mean, Penn State got back in that game because Ohio State fumbled in the red zone a couple times. Otherwise, I think that looked like a blowout. Yeah, they were up 21 nothing, and I thought they were headed for a 35-7 to win. Uh, you know, Sean Clifford got hurt. But, dude, you got to give it to Penn State. They forced those fumbles. They got the recoveries. Uh, redshirt freshman quarterback was able to do some read option and get some points. So they made it a game. Then Fields was ever able to kind of ice the game with that beautiful touchdown pass there at the end. So Ohio, Ohio State persevered. This was what, really the first team that had challenged them, and they rose up to the challenge. Yeah, and how, can we just talk about how bad a man Chase Young is leading that defensive charge? I mean, the first play of the game, he's got his hands on the quarterback. That dude is a beast, and I will never understand why Penn State thought it was a good idea to block that guy with one dude all day. Yeah, kind of like Green Bay trying to block Bosa with one guy last night. So I, I right. feel Penn State's pain. But yeah, Chase Young is just an athletic freak. Uh, he really should probably be at least runner up for the Heisman. I don't know if I would give it to him because he only has 13 sacks. So it's not like he's breaking Derek Thomas's record or Terrell Suggs record. Uh, but you know, he's been solid. He's disruptive. Uh, he really affects the other team. And the, the, uh, the biggest thing that happened last week, Jay was Mario Cristobal in the Oregon ducks laying a goose egg and letting old Herm Edwards in the sun devils, do the deed in the desert. Dude, Justin Herbert had a horrible, horrible game. I knew he threw two fourth-quarter touchdowns. He also threw two horrendous interceptions that got them in a hole, and Jaden Daniels totally outdueled him out there in the desert. Had beautiful-looking deep balls. They got Eno Benjamin working at the run game. Oregon really got ran on for the first time I've seen all year. And that, with their turnovers and just the fact that they couldn't get anything going on offense till they went into the two-minute drill, uh, said a lot. And, you know, I, maybe it's for the best, though, man, because let's be honest. Like, if Oregon had, had found a way to be in, win the Pac-12 and get in the playoff, dude, do you really want to match them up with the other three teams that look like they're heading toward the playoff right now? Them or Utah, can we be honest? Like, both of those teams would get smoked. And, and Oregon's good, but they ain't playoff good. Well, I mean, let's be honest, Jay. Is there anybody who's going to be the fourth seed that we really would give a, a puncher's chance at 
Ohio State uh, or any of those other teams. I mean, a two-less Alabama probably isn't going to do it. Oklahoma's look very vulnerable, and Jalen Hurts yeah. is regressing to his – he can only make one read and not go through his progressions. Now, that works when C.D. Lamb is uh, just lighting it up. Uh, Oregon, not very impressive. Utah's a great defense, but their offense has much to be desired. Um, so I don't know that any of those teams is really going to do the deed. Those top three teams seem to be better than everybody else this year. Yeah, I would agree with the LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are just playing on a different level. Let's talk about our other featured game. Pitt was on the road at Virginia Tech, and in his final home game, Bud Foster got the shutout. Second one in a row for him, 28 to zip. Virginia Tech takes down Pitt, and man, Pitt couldn't get anything going the entire day totally outmatched in this and i gotta say man that that's setting up virginia tech real nice on the showdown with virginia this week to win the acc coastal well and i think we got to give props to justin fuentes and jeremy pruitt those are two teams early in the season that struggled and people thought weren't going anywhere and now virginia tech has a chance to win their division and jay tennessee beat missouri and after losing to Georgia State and BYU, they're going bowling. They have a chance to get yep. seven wins if they beat Vandy this week. Yes, they do. They, they've really turned it around, having gotten smoked early in the season. They've really done better. You know who else turned it around? UCLA was playing good football, and they gave USC a good bit of fight. But, man, USC's offense is just amazing. They got eight wins this season. Keaton Slovis set a school record for 515 yards. And let's face it, man, USC's had some quarterbacks through the years. So the fact that he blew that record out in that big game. But the sad thing for me at the end of that, man, they did a, a post-game interview with with uh, uh, Clay Helton, and, man, he just sounded like a guy that kind of knew it was coming. And I hate that because I think he what he's done there and made some good changes is, is positive. But all the media you hear talking about it say, well, if they keep him another year, it just regresses the program again. And I don't know if that's true or not, man, but the thing is he, he was proud of his guys, but he sounded like a coach that knew he was done. Well, and the funny thing is the only hire that really would make sense for USC at this point is Urban Meyer, who has health question marks, along with a cavalcade of um, ethical concerns. Yeah. And then James Franklin. And there's no guarantee that James Franklin is going to leave Happy Valley. Like, is USC an upgrade? Probably. It probably helps him to get away from Ohio State and Michigan, and he can be the top dog out there. But there's no guarantee that he's going to say yes. That's exactly right. And look, they, they got a brand new AD in who's been there for five minutes now from Cincinnati. And you know, this is really in the president's court and we'll see what, what she wants to do. But that's, you know, a, a storyline we'll be following into the offseason. So final things here for the picks records. We both went 10 and two last week. We just missed a different two. I, I believed in Illinois. They couldn't get it done at, at Iowa. Uh, but you know, hey, you, you had SMU and I told you Navy was going to take them out. So, and we both missed the Oregon game. So that brings you up to 101 and 44 on the year that's a fantastic record man you broke the century mark i'm at 97 to 48 so four games to try to catch you we got a big slate this week and we'll see if i can get it done yeah i mean it's rivalry week let's dig in man let's do it so we're gonna kick it to you first a big one in the sec they used to call this game the iron bowl because alabama and auburn played in the city of birmingham used to be known as the the little pittsburgh of the south the steel city not so much of that going on in birmingham these days you're more likely to find a bank and a a healthcare facility you know than you will any kind of iron or steel going on but it's still called the iron bowl and you know alabama's rolling into this one 11 and one but without two a tongue of 
Tagovailoa, their stud quarterback. Auburn's coming to this one at eight and three. You know, they've beaten all the teams they were supposed to, and they've lost to the ones that it was close with. So, Alan, tell us how this one's going to go. Well, first off, I want to point off this is our sixth featured game involving Auburn this year. So, so they've had a, a heck of a schedule. Uh, you know, Auburn boasts one of the best defenses, specifically that defensive line. They have led this team. Auburn only gives up 306 yards a game and only 16.2 points a game. And they hold teams to only 109 yards on the ground. That defensive line, though, with Derrick Brown, creates so much havoc, and they affect the quarterback on almost every play. They forced 20 turnovers, Jay, but 13 of those have been fumbles. They've only got seven interceptions. So a lot of their turnovers are attributed to those defensive linemen getting in the backfield, pressuring the quarterback, and forcing those turnovers. The big thing for this defense, Jay, is on third down, they are money. They allow third down conversions only 28% of the time. And, you know, they really have better numbers than you would think from this point. The, the defense has spent a ton of time on the field, and they've got worn down by the end of the games. So in the first half of games, they have just been stonewalling people. And as the game goes on, they, they kind of give out. And if they really had consistent offensive performance in those bigger games, I think their numbers would, would reflect that. The Auburn offense has been a disappointment, as most of Gus Malzahn's offenses have been in the Auburn era outside of 2013 and 2017. They're balanced. They average 32 points a game and 427 yards per game. But these numbers are very deceiving. In the biggest games, the offense has come up short. And if you can handle the scripted series of the game, you can shut down this offense for, for most of the game. The offensive line hasn't been very good. Bo Nix has been erratic at time due to that because he's been running for his life. And, Jay, he's only completing 57% of his passes this season. They haven't really been able to get the run game going against the inferior opponents. They they have, but against the better better teams, they really haven't. The much maligned Alabama defense hadn't really been as bad as people think. They only give up 16.2 points a game and 316 yards per game. The big While those numbers are similar to the Auburn defense, the big difference is Auburn has played some stiffer competition. Uh, Alabama, though, they're second in the country in forcing 25 turnovers, but they've, failed, they've failed to consistently get pressure on the quarterback. The young linebackers are a liability in coverage, and the eye candy that Gus throws at you could really spell disaster for those young linebackers. Alabama does have the corners to shut down the Auburn receivers, but, but this group, this young front seven has kind of gotten a little better every game. The Alabama offense is still dealing with the loss of Tua Tungvaloa, and Mac Jones looked efficient against Western Carolina and Arkansas, but has not faced anything like the Auburn defense. The Alabama game plan will be to get Najee going early, focus on short passes, and make Auburn tackle in space. But Mac Jones is the key. He's going to have to make some big-time throws, especially on third down to move the chains. Uh, if Auburn can rattle him and force him into mistakes, that could really be really bad news for Alabama. Games in Auburn in this series have generally been Really close, hard-fought affairs. I can think of a, a a couple that have been blowouts, mainly, I think, 2011 and maybe 2000. Well, 2015 was actually fairly close. Um, I will say with every featured game with Auburn this year, I have picked wrong, uh, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> um, so, Jay, I'm going with Auburn to win this game 24 to 21 and hope my streak of picking wrong continues. <laughs> 
Well, man, I'm going to tell you, I think you've given the game a perfect breakdown. The one thing you didn't talk about is what I think is the difference in the game, Alan. I, mean, I think you've laid it all out. Auburn's defensive front against Alabama's offense is going to be a great matchup. Can Auburn's offense do anything against a Bama defense that's been a little more bendy this year than before? But Auburn's got trouble you know, running the ball and a little erratic throwing the ball. What, what's going to happen? Here's the thing, man. Alabama, for the first time in what seems like forever, holds a distinct special teams advantage in this game. In returns, in coverages, and in the kicking game, and actually kicking extra points, field goals, stuff like that, Auburn is really not good at kicking field goals, particularly long ones. Anders Carlson is like 4 of 10 from 40 yards plus this year, and Gus keeps running him out there. And I have a feeling Auburn's going to get stuck in some long field goal situations. And they might put Alabama in that situation too, but in that case, you got to give the advantage to Alabama to make that one extra play, plus Jalen Waddle in the return game is a game-breaker, could really you know set him up and flip the field or maybe even return one the whole way, and Bama's coverage is fantastic. Auburn's has had trouble with that since the Oregon game, and they, they've only corrected it against the weaker teams. I think that's the advantage and the difference in the game. Alabama's going to win this game on a special teams play. I've got Alabama winning 20-17 to 17 over Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So we disagree well, on the big one. Well, here, here's one stat for you that plays into what you, you've talked about. Auburn in uh, punt coverage is 131st out of 131 teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jalen Waddle leads the country in per- punt return yards by, by uh, a great deal. He's actually on on track to possibly break NCAA records this year. Uh, he's having a fantastic year, and you're absolutely right. That guy could be the big difference in this game. Yeah, I, our buddy Ricky Green from from Bama Bros and I were having this conversation on Twitter today, and I told him that, and he's like, man, I thought you were crazy. And then I went and looked it up, and I was like, holy cow, you're right. Now, I, I'm telling you, I think that's the nugget that's the difference in the game, Bama special teams, which, I mean, again, that sounds so weird to say, but there it is. So we're picking difference in the Iron Bowl. we got to talk about the game now. I mean, one of my favorite like HBO documentaries ever was when they did the Ohio State-Michigan game. Have you seen that one? It's been a while, but yeah, I caught that one back in the day. It's totally worth looking up again. I think it's even on YouTube or clips of it are. It's totally worth watching again, but this is a big one, man. I mean, I think this rivalry is the one that really is is the standout in college football rivalries. I've thought that for years. Michigan's on the road at Ohio State. And look, man, this Michigan team has gone through a lot this year to make it to 10-2. and two. They took a tough loss from Wisconsin early in the season. I mean, they got totally run over in that game. There's no doubt about it. And then they lost to Penn State, but something happened in the second half of that Penn State game. They were getting blown out. They found the offense. They found the groove. And ever since then, man, they have done good things. They they totally waxed Notre Dame. They whipped Maryland like they were supposed to. They whipped Michigan State like they were supposed to. And then a pretty good Indiana team, Michigan took them to the house, man, and dropped 39 on them. So, I mean, it's been four straight games here, really 40 points or more for Michigan. I think they found something on offense, and their defense has been solid all year. I mean, the Wolverines only surrendering about 16 points a game, uh, only giving up 267 yards a game, and it's pretty even. They give about 160 through the air and 106 on the ground. Uh, they're doing pretty good stuff on the defensive side, as you would expect Michigan to do. And now they found a way to get the offense in gear because at one point, man, they were averaging like 23 points a game. Now they're up to 33 and a half. The problem is, Alan, they are facing what, again, I will say is the most complete football team I've seen this season in Ohio State. 
They're only giving up 217 yards a game on defense, 91 yards rushing, 126 through the air, while gaining 280 on the ground and 250 through the air themselves. Justin Fields, only one interception all year, over 2,300 yards, 33 touchdowns. You got J.K. Dobbins, who's just a touchdown machine, 15 on the ground, 1,400 yards uh, rushing, and he's a receiver out of the backfield. Just a complete set of weapons. You got Olive and all the other receivers that Ohio State's got. And then their defense, man, anchored by Chase Young, who is an absolute beast. We talked about it in the intro, coming off the edge. But he's not the only one, man. Their corners are locked down. Their linebackers are solid. It's hard to find a weakness on this Ohio State team. It really is. And part of me thinks, man, how can Michigan make this a game? Well, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to be patient and try to force that run game. And that's something to say. And the way they're going to have to do it is they're going to have to spread the ball out, get the formations wide, and try to find gaps up the middle, get Zach Carbonette, uh touches up the middle, maybe get Shea Patterson on some rolls. He's not a big runner himself, but he's really cut down on the turnovers. Put him out on the wings in space to throw high-percentage passes to guys like Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's how Michigan's going to have to dink and dunk their way down the field on offense. And on defense, man, you just got to keep everything in front of you. And the problem is teams are loading up the box or they're trying to blitz and get after fields or disrupt that backfield, and then guys are getting to that second level so fast, and it's a one-on-one matchup, and Ohio State's guys win that. Michigan can't do that. Doc Brown's got to be real smart, make sure keep everything in front of them. That's their way to make this game. Here's the real key, though, Alan. If Michigan turns the ball over in this, they are dead ducks. There is no way the Wolverines can survive losing the turnover battle in this game. And they've cleaned that up the second half of the season. But with the exception of Indiana, they haven't really played a fantastic defense. And that's the problem here. I think they're going to face one of the best defenses in the country, certainly the best one in the Big Ten this week. And while it's going to be close early, I can't see any other way except for Ohio State to run away with this one in the second half. I'm going to take the Buckeyes in this one 31-17 to over the Michigan Wolverines. Well, Jay, you nailed it. I mean, Michigan's been playing better football, but they've been playing some inferior competition. And Ohio State really got challenged for the first time last week. Now, I'll say this. This is the first tough road game for Ohio State. Most of their big games have been in Columbus, and this is a game Harbaugh's got to have, Jay. Give me that team up north to slow down the running game and pull off the major upset. Michigan's going to win this 27-24. to Wow. So you're picking a major, major upset there, man. Uh, but a good good idea on that road game. We'll see how it goes. But, wow, this is the first time all season we have both disagreed on the feature games. Uh, it's, it's interesting that it comes here at the end. So very, very cool. You're picking the underdogs for sure in both games. Well, keep in mind, my, my pick of Auburn is purely just because I picked all their games wrong this year. So I'm hoping <laughs> I can keep that streak up. Well, the, the thing is, though, you laid out like every reason Auburn should lose and still picked them. So that'll be fun to revisit. Well, man, let's get into the lightning round. We've got a big one here, Alan. I mean, we're talking two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14 games. Are you ready to ride the lightning? Let it roll, man. All right, man. Let's start in the American Athletic Conference. Cincinnati is on the road at Memphis. I got to tell you, man. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do to Penny Hardaway, but they ain't touching Mike Norvell, and neither can Luke Fickle's uh, Bearcats. Give me Memphis in that one 24-17. Better on the home team. 
Yeah, Brady White's really had a great season for Memphis, and Memphis is a tough, tough out at home. I like Memphis by a little bit bigger margin. I like them 38 to 24. All right, we both like Memphis. We go out to the islands where the Army is on the road to take on the Hawaii Rainbows. Well, you know, this is a true contrast to Styles Air Raid versus Option. It's a long, long road trip out there, Jay. Give me the home team on in the islands. I'll take Hawaii 35-21. to 21. You know, I agree with you on Hawaii winning, but I don't think we're going to see those kind of scores. If you watch Hawaii, they've turned into a defensive team this year. That's what they're getting by on. I think they get by on that again, playing an option team. Hawaii wins 17-10 to 10 over the Army. We go to the Apple Cup. Washington State, a team that you know, we're not expected to do a whole lot this year and really hasn't, goes up to play Washington in a team that we thought might do something. But, man, they've been disappointing this year. But here's the thing that's for sure. Washington might be missing Jonathan Scott a little bit. Maybe they, they've got to regroup a little bit on offense next year. But they have – Chris Peterson has Washington State's number. Give me the Huskies in this one, 20-16. to 16. You know, Washington State's been a huge disappointment. Jacob Eason's just been dreadful. There were talks about him being a first-round draft pick going into this year. I don't think so. I mean, Washington is a different team at home. Man, give me the Cougs. I'll, I'll take the Cougars to win 41-35 to 35 in a fun game. Wow, you got some points in that one. Had to check the weather and see what's going down because last year was a snowball. We go to Bedlam next, man. Oklahoma on the road against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah, you know, Bedlam's one of my favorite games. Uh, Oklahoma's kind of struggled as of late. They had the big comeback against Baylor. They let TCU hang around. Oak State struggled but gutted out a tough, tough win against West Virginia last week. Jay, Jalen Hurts has been making mistakes. I love Chubba Hubbard just because of his name and nothing else. I'll take the Cowpokes at home 35-31. to 31. Wow, you like Oklahoma's playoff run to end a week early? I can't go down that road, though, man. Oklahoma State outside of Hubbard, uh, just not that great in offense. Defensively, I don't think they can hang with Oklahoma's power counter run game. Give me Oklahoma 34-27 to in Bedlam. We head up to the Big Ten and what is sure to be a very cold game this weekend, but it ain't going to bother either of these teams. Wisconsin on the road to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Man, I got to tell you, I've loved the Minnesota story. I think they've played fantastic. Their quarterback's a little beat up. They've taken one on the chin. It's going to be tough. And look, Jonathan Taylor is an absolute nightmare to defend. I don't think Minnesota can defend him the whole game. I like Wisconsin in this one, 21-17. Well, you know, Jay, this this game actually has my favorite trophy in it. It's a battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Before last year, Wisconsin won 14 in a row over Minnesota. P.J. Fleck is one win away from playing from a Big 12, I mean a Big 10 championship at Minnesota. I mean, come on, guys. I like many at home to keep the win streak alive against Wisconsin. Like I'm 27 to 21 in a cold, cold game. All right, you go with the Golden Gophers. Next one is for the ACC Coastal, Virginia Tech. The resurgent Hokies on the road to take on the struggling Virginia Cavaliers. Here's the thing, man. Bud Foster's defense has turned the corner. They've started clamping down and shutting down teams, and they found things with Hendon Hooker at quarterback moving the ball. I think we get a low-scoring defensive punch-em-out game, and in that, give me the road team and give me the third straight shutout. Bud Foster goes out with that. I think Virginia Tech wins 17-0. to 
Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech is back from the, the dead, and this is a winner-take-all game for the Coastal to go be sacrificed to Clemson. But, you know, I like those back-to-back shutouts. The defensive effort's been there. I think they're going to be amped up for Bud Foster's last regular season game. I like the Hokies 27-21. to 21. All right, 27-21. You and I both like the Hokies. I like them 17 to zip. Talk about sacrifices of the dead. Florida State gets to go to Gainesville to play Florida this week, man. Yeah, I mean, FSU has shown a little bit of life after firing Taggart. Uh, this game actually has the largest spread in a Florida FSU game in like the last 30 years uh, at 18 points. This Florida defense is too good. Uh, you know, Florida's kind of nobody's really talking about Florida after that loss to Georgia. I think they get a, a, a decent win this week. I like them 35 to 13 over the Seminoles. Yeah, the Seminoles just don't have anything in this one. Florida's run game might actually show up in this game and look like they have existed because Florida State is so bad against the run. I like Florida in this one 38-14. I don't think it's much of a contest. I'm thinking what's going to be a contest, and it might break out into a fight Thanksgiving night. Ole Miss is playing Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, baby, and that thing can get nasty fast and has for years. They got people, you know, the chancellors and presidents sending out notes trying to tell everybody to be nice. That that's just a recipe for disaster. Tell you what else is a disaster. Ole Miss's defense. Their run game is amazing, man. If you compare that with like a real defense, they might have something. But their defense is just bad. Mississippi State's been a little bit beat up, but I think they've still got more stuff together. I'm going to take the Bulldogs in this one, 31-25. Yeah, I mean, how far have we fallen from the Mullen-Freeze rivalry in this uh, game? Uh, Jay, I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game. Uh, I think State is a little bit better offensively, a little bit better defensively, a little bit better on the scoreboard. I like State to win 22-21. to 21. <laughs> So you got a really good and ugly score going there. Well, we come to South Carolina where Clemson gets to take the show on the road to Columbia to the Corpse of Will Muschamp's Gamecocks. Yeah, Jay, you know, uh, this would probably be – Will Muschamp's last game at South Carolina if there wasn't an $18 million albatross hanging out there. Depending on how this game goes, it might be his last one. I like Clemson to absolutely drub South Carolina 56-10. to 10. Yeah, I like a big beating here, too. Look, Clemson, since they came back from that North Carolina you know, nap or whatever, man, they've just absolutely blitzkrieg teams, even the supposed good teams in the ACC. It's not going to do them any good, but they'll go ahead and whip South Carolina again, 51-13 in this one. I think Clemson rolls and gets to play a lot of the two deep. Louisville on the road at Kentucky. Can't say enough about what Scott Satterfield has done this year to return Louisville to, you know, you know, winning ways and bowl eligibility. And hey, hats off to Mark Stoops, too. He's lost every quarterback in the world, started running the wide receiver and running pure wildcat all the time, and still got him ready for bowls. So this is going to be a good game. Yeah, you know, the Governor's Cup, it's just going to be a tough game to pick. Um, I think I'll go with the team that has a little bit better defense and a team that's at home. I like Kentucky close, 24 to 20 over Louisville. I'm going to disagree with you there, my friend. I think Louisville's just gotten more where it counts. Even being the road team, they can run the ball, and they're going to be able to stop Kentucky's offense enough. I like Louisville here 27-24. Texas A&M on the road to take on LSU. The question is, will LSU accept this rivalry trophy? They kind of left the Arkansas one on the bench uh, and like they don't care about it. Here's what I'm sure I'm going to see. LSU's going to jump out to a huge lead. Then they're going to look like they get bored. Then somewhere in the fourth quarter, Texas a and 
Alabama is going to look like they have an offense, and everybody's going to get excited, and then LSU's going to pour the gas on and finish them. I like LSU here, 45-24. Yeah, I mean, this is a rematch after a seven-overtime thriller. I guess the question are any Fishers throwing punches after this game? Yeah. The LSU defense is a mess, but I don't think the Aggies can slow down Joe Burrow and company. I like LSU to win 42-21. to All right. We both got LSU big in that one. For the last one on the SEC slate, Vanderbilt on the road to take on Tennessee. Tennessee's already bowl eligible. Do they get caught looking ahead, Allen, or will they take care of business against the Commodores? Well, you know, Tennessee's trying to avoid losing four straight games to Vanderbilt. Uh, it's been a long, long, long time since Tennessee's done anything like that. I think Tennessee is focused. I think they're playing good football. I don't think Pruitt's going to let this team look ahead. I like them to win 35-13 to 13 over Vandy. Man, we've almost got the exact scores. I've got Tennessee 34-13 to 13 in this one. I agree. I don't think he's got them looking ahead at all. And moreover, Vanderbilt really can't do anything about it if they were to look ahead. Well, Alan, that means there's only one thing left to do. It's time for the rivalry week final danger zone of the year. Yeah, you know, we came up just short. West Virginia looked like that that, that pick was going to pay off, but they couldn't hold on. And Jay, in honor of Thanksgiving, where I will eat my weight in my mama's dressing, I'm going to give y'all folks a double helping. First on Friday, we're going to go to the cold, snowy Rocky Mountains where Boise rolls into town. And they have a really good passing offense. They're facing a really good passing offense against an average passing defense. I think the altitude wears out that Broncos defense along with chasing around Warren Jackson, who's only averaging 15 yards a catch on 70 catches for four quarters. I like Colorado State to get a big upset win, 41-38. to Ooh, big upset there, Colorado State over Boise. Okay, so what's the dessert? The dessert is going to be the Civil War, my friend. Ah. What? One team's dreams have died in the desert last week, and they're going to come home dejected. This used to be one of my favorite games, and don't let the record fool you. Oregon State played better than the record indicates. Um, I think Oregon doesn't get up for this game and makes mistakes, and the Beavers win the Civil War 31-28 to and bury the Ducks. Wow. Now, would that knock the Ducks out of the Pac-12 championship, or are they a lock out of the North already? They're a lockout of the North. I think everybody else has four losses in that division. There we go. Wow, that is a huge, huge upset you're picking there, man. I, I'm digging it. I, I like both of those, Colorado State over Boise State and Oregon State over Oregon. Well, Alan, no doubt about it, it is going to be a packed rivalry week, tons of football. We're going to be back next week, man, and it's championship week Saturday. Championship week, it'll be a fun week. Uh, we'll have a little bit more clarity um, heading into the week. But in championship week, we need that to figure out who's going from the SEC. Uh, is Clemson going to have a challenge in that championship game? Uh, it's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And, folks, again, we hope you enjoy all the football and enjoy time with family and food as well. Eat your weight in any kind of stuffing you can get your hands on, especially if it's your mama's. I, I endorse that message wholeheartedly. It's been a lot of fun here on the Great Arm Breakdown, but we ain't done yet. we got a lot more football season to talk about, and we'll be back again next week to break down all of these games and talk about those championship games as we head an inch closer and closer to bowl appearances and the playoff. So again, you can go to anchor.fm slash gridironbreakdown. You find links to where you find the show, Spotify, 
Apple, you know, Podbean, Google, wherever you get podcasts, you can find the show. Leave us a positive review. Share the show on social media. You can also find us on our Facebook page, The Gridiron Breakdown. Just search for us there. We appreciate the support. For Alan, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to The Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Breakdown. The Gridiron Breakdown theme is Sports Time Tonight by Phil Gerard, Reed Hayes, and Scott P. Shear. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. I ain't saying anybody scared out there. I ain't saying fear. Now you all scared to ask another question. <laughs>